0: Well, good evening and Merry Christmas. If you have a Bible with you, go ahead and grab that right now. We'll be in Matthew chapter one uh, on your Bible or on your mobile device. Um, I I want to, as we begin and jump into the text, just pass along um, from Pastor Sean and his wife Leslie, a Merry Christmas to everyone in the Calvary family, whether those of you who are here or or listening online right now. He he wants to wish you a Merry Christmas, wishes he could be with you, and looks forward to returning. Uh, And that would be the same for our entire staff, that we just, our team here wants to wish you a Merry Christmas, and we are so grateful to be be able to gather here in this place tonight. You know, after the year we've had, after what we've gone through over the last number of months, uh, I think all of us are in need of something this evening, in need of something this Christmas. And whether you've identified it or not, your greatest need this Christmas is not a perfect gift, it's not a perfect family gathering, it's not a perfect photo or a perfect moment with your children. The greatest need you have this Christmas is the greatest need you have in all moments, and that is to hear from the God of the universe who speaks. God has something to say to you and wants his Holy Spirit to speak to your heart tonight. And so tonight, whether you have been a Christian for a long, long time, or whether you have been gone from church for a long time and you might not even call yourself a follower of Jesus, I believe the God of the universe is present in this place and has a word he wants to speak to you. And so as we open up God's word and look into the Bible, I hope your hearts are attuned and ready to listen to what God might have to say to you. We're gonna look at what's gonna be a familiar story to many of you in Matthew chapter one. It's the Christmas story. It says this in verse 18. It'll be on the screen for those of you who don't have uh, Bibles. It says this, this is how the birth And then verse 21 says this it says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Uh, I want you to see here in verse 21 the core, the centerpiece of the Christmas story, and and that is this, this woman will give birth to a son, and he has the name Jesus. And what's the purpose? What's the point? What's the whole mission that Jesus is on? It's simple it's to save his people from their sins. Salvation from sin is the reason we gather tonight. Salvation from our sins and our failures and our rebellion against God is the reason we're in this room tonight. It's the reason we're celebrating tonight. It's the reason for the season that Jesus came to save sinners. The salvation from our sin is the great gift of Christmas that you are given. It is better than any gift you have ever received. And it is better than any gift you will ever give. It is the great gift of salvation that makes all other gifts meaningful in this world. It is the great gift of salvation that God gives to us. But here's what I'll submit to you tonight. God gives us this gift of salvation, salvation from our sins, in exchange for something we give. We give something in exchange for our salvation. I want you to think of it as a a gift exchange. If you remember gift exchange, maybe you didn't do any of this here, but gift exchanges are these wonderful things where you'll bring a gift and everyone else brings a gift. Uh, And maybe it's a white elephant exchange or maybe it's a regular gift exchange, but the goal is simple. You want to bring in a gift and leave with something better than what you came with, right? That's the goal of the gift exchange. And what I wanna talk to you tonight about is this, it's really simple, for those of you who know Jesus, or for those of you who are far from him and maybe haven't been to church in years, I wanna talk to you tonight about a gift exchange, the gift exchange that I call the great gift exchange of Christmas. The great gift exchange of Christmas. It's the story of Jesus and the good news of great joy for all people. There's a gift exchange. You give something to Jesus, and he gives something back to you. You wanna know what you give to Jesus? You give Jesus your sin. Do you know that the only thing you've contributed to your salvation is your sin, your guilt, your shame? That's what you bring to Jesus. You don't bring your good works or your church attendance or your giving record to Jesus. You bring your sin, your shame, your embarrassment, your guilt of the things of your past, and you give it to Jesus, and he receives it joyfully. He receives it with great grace. He receives that sin from you and says, I'm gonna take that on myself. You don't have to wear that anymore. You don't have to live in that shame anymore. You don't have to walk in that guilt anymore. The great gift exchange of Christmas begins with you coming to the party and bringing your guilt and sin and shame. And then you don't wanna know what Jesus gives you, Jesus' contribution? Jesus gives you his salvation. That's what Jesus gives you. The great gift exchange is you give Jesus your sin, your guilt, your past, your shame, and he gives you his salvation. Your salvation, where you are forgiven of your sins because of the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ, where you are made a child of God and receive all of the promises of God to his children, and where he gives you a home, he guarantees you a home forevermore in heaven with him. This is the great gift of salvation. This is the great gift exchange of Christmas. Every other gift exchange, every other moment of giving presents pales in comparison to this great gift exchange that God gives to us when we receive it on christmas and you might be thinking to yourself maybe maybe you are thinking to yourself but that's unfair like what an absurd gift exchange where we just give our sin and our filthiness and god gives the great gift of salvation that's not fair at all and i want to remind you tonight that it isn't fair it's not meant to be fair it's meant to be a gift it's meant to be grace And when we as people receive this great gift exchange of Christmas, our goal is not to say it's too much or that could never apply to me. Our goal is to receive that gift in the way all of us wish people would receive the gifts we give them. Uh, Like, let me put it to you this way. Um, So tomorrow morning, I I have two children, I will be giving both of them gifts. One of them is a three year old and one of them is nine months old. So let's be honest, the nine month old is along for the ride, he has no idea what's going on, okay? (laughs) No clue, But, but my three year old, She understands that it's Christmas, and she's connected the dots to presents and Christmas, and she knows what's gonna happen. Now, I want you to imagine that tomorrow morning, I give my three-year-old a Christmas gift, and she looks up at me and goes, Daddy, this is too expensive. I simply cannot receive this. (laughs) That'd be absurd, right? If she looked at me and said, Dad, thank you for this gift. I will spend the rest of my life trying to repay you for this. That would be absurd. Because when my daughter receives a gift from me, I don't want her to feel guilty. I don't want her to feel ashamed. I don't want her to try to, to pay me back or like you owe me one now, kid. Like that's not what I want at all. What, what do I want from my daughter? What, what do you want from people that you give gifts to tomorrow? Whether it's your kids or your spouse or your family or your friends, what are you hoping for? You're hoping for two things. Number one, you give them a gift and you hope that they say thank you. I hope that my, that my daughter just says thank you. Thank you for what you've given me. And then what do I want her to go do? I want her to go enjoy it. I want her to say thank you, and then I want her to go enjoy the gift I gave her. And do you know that in that moment when you receive the salvation that God offers, when you participate in the great gift exchange of Christmas, that's the exact same thing that God wants for you? He wants you to say thank you. He wants to say, God, I'm so grateful for you, to live a life of praise and gratitude that God would save a wretch like me, that you would say thank you. And then that you would go and enjoy it. There's a phrase that runs all throughout the Bible that talks about the joy of our salvation. Uh, Like the idea is that you're supposed to live in the joy of this salvation. You're not supposed to feel like guilty and feel like you have to pay God back. You're just supposed to go and enjoy the salvation that God offers, the forgiveness of your sins, being his child, having hope and peace and joy and life in this world. That's what I want for everyone here this evening. It's what I want for anyone who's listening online right now. I want you to know that joy of the salvation that God offers to you through the great gift exchange of Christmas. I wanna invite anyone who's here this afternoon who has not yet received that great gift, who's not yet given Jesus your sin and received from him your salvation. I want today to be the day, Christmas 2020, to be the moment where you participate in that gift exchange that God has offered to you. I want today to be the day you understand what it means to live in the joy of your salvation. So to anyone here listening to my voice right now who goes, I want in on that, and I've never been in on that. I've never received forgiveness for my sins. I've never put my trust in Jesus. I've been far from God. I've been wandering from the Lord. I haven't been in church. I haven't been around these things. I want you to know that the scriptures give us a simple, repeated sentence all throughout the Bible on how we can participate in this great gift of salvation. I wanna show it to you out of the book of Romans. Here's what it says. It says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, we'll be saved. Here's the offer and here's the invitation for everyone here this evening. Here's the offer and here's the invitation for everyone who has ever lived. Who's the offer and invitation for? It's for everyone. Well, what if I haven't been to church in a long time? Yeah, it's for everyone. Well, what what if I'm walking in sin and addiction and I have just some kind of gross temptation stuff in my life? Yeah, it's for everyone. Well, what if I don't pray really well or what if I don't know a lot of facts about God and the Bible? It's still for everyone. It's for everyone who will do what? Who will call in the name of the Lord. Like it doesn't say you have to be a Bible expert. It doesn't mean you have to clean up your life. It just means that you cry out to God and say, God, I am a sinner in need of a savior. I have great sin in my life, but I believe you are a great savior. You died on the cross and rose from the dead for my salvation. And you say, God, I don't understand all of it, but I give all I know of me to all I know of you. I turn from my old life and I receive you and I receive the forgiveness you offer. I wanna invite you to do that where you are today. You don't need a pastor or a priest or an intermediary of any kind. You can cry out to Jesus in your seat, in your living room right now. I urge you to do that today and have this Christmas of 2020 be the Christmas that you receive this gift of salvation. If you do that today, I wanna offer you an opportunity to connect with our team. Um, I wanna offer you that opportunity by way of text message. If today's the day, and you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, I wanna invite you to text the word Jesus to the number you see right here on the screen. Um, You'll text that in, you'll get a response automatically from our team. Uh, This isn't so we can bother you or collect your data or ask for something from you. We just wanna give resources to you. We wanna celebrate with you. So if today's the day you're putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, would you just text the word Jesus to that number to let us know that we can celebrate that today's the day you received the great gift exchange of Christmas. Because everyone, everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The text goes on in this way, um, and here in verse 22, it said that all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. The virgin's going to conceive and give birth to a son. This is the picture, the image, the snapshot we have of Christmas. It is perhaps one of the most um, uh, artistically drawn and replicated scenes in all of human history of hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of times in statues and paintings and plays uh, uh, people creating this image, this mental picture of what that holy night must have been like, where the virgin conceived and gave birth to a son. And I'm sure when you think about that night, when you think about that first Christmas, you have an image of what it's going to look like. A mental snapshot, a picture of how that first Christmas night when Jesus was born looked like. But, but here's something I've learned about Jesus in general and Christmas in specific. It's that our mental snapshots of what it's going to look like almost never line up with reality, right? So so here's what I mean by that. Let me put it to you this way. So um, I, I said I'm a parent. I, I've got a three-year-old. I, I've got a nine-month-old. Um, last Christmas, nine-month-old was still you know, on its way, uh, on its way, um, and uh, we had the two-year-old um, and, and our daughter, and, and we got the mental snapshot. We had the image of how Christmas was going to go. We had the image of what it was going to look like, and so it's Christmas morning, and, and we have all the presents laid out and our daughter's upstairs and we get everything ready to go and it's the moment where she's gonna come downstairs. And every parent here knows that you've created that moment, that you're hoping for a reaction in your child. And she comes down the stairs and we have a mental picture of how it's gonna look. And this is what we see. Oh, isn't that just perfect? And now she's just so excited. She sees the presents, it's Christmas, it's joy, it's everything. But here's what every parent in the world knows. These moments are few and far between, right? <laughs> right, right. Like this moment was so perfectly captured in camera, so perfectly captured. It was the mental picture we had and it was the reality on the ground. Uh, and yet, I, I think here's what all of us know. Um, these moments tend to be few and far between. So let me take you back a year from this picture to 2018. At that point, our, our daughter is one years old, but we got an opportunity in December of that year for our daughter. To go meet Santa Claus. And we took that opportunity. And what did we do? We put her in the prettiest Christmas dress you could imagine. We got her all ready to go. We were pumped to go meet Santa Claus. We show up to Santa Claus. There's a professional photographer there. We think not only is it gonna be cute, it's gonna be a perfect, high quality image. It's gonna be perfect and pretty and on point. We sit her down to meet Santa Claus, and this is the photo we get emailed this moment. <laughs> I think about this photo all the time when it comes to Christmas. I think about it because we all want Christmas to be pretty and perfect and on point. We want pretty cards and pretty lights and pretty decorations and pretty photos. And you want to wear your prettiest dress or your prettiest outfit today so that you can get a pretty family photo. You want your gifts to look pretty and everything needs to look pretty and perfect and on point. You see, in Christmas, we want everything to be perfect, we want it to be pretty. And I think what that can quickly do is it can start to taint the way we actually think about that first Christmas night. You see, if you think about it, you'll often see nativity scenes, depictions of that first Christmas night that'll look a little like this. And I point this one out to you not because it's special or different, but because it's so average and ordinary. And I look at this picture, and it always surprises me to think of someone like Mary, whose makeup is perfect and hair is on point, and she has literally just given birth, right? Or or, or to think of Jesus, this newborn baby boy, who's not crying and screaming like every other infant newborn we've ever had, but is rather just lying there. The animals aren't bothering anyone. There's nothing other problems going on. Everything here is pretty. Everything here is perfect. Everything here is on point. But I think when I read the gospels, in the book of Luke and the book of Matthew, that describe that first Christmas night, I'm convinced that when I look at this image, it's not quite right. In fact, I'm convinced of this, that the first Christmas was not as pretty as our nativity scenes. The first Christmas was not as pretty and perfect and on point as the nativity scenes we put up to describe it and depict it. In fact, when I read the Gospels of Matthew and Luke and read about that first Christmas evening, here's what I'm convinced of, that the first Christmas was uncomfortable. They're pushed out, there's no room in the inn, so they got to go somewhere else. It's painful, Mary has just given birth and welcomed a child into this world, which is joyful and yet at the same time, unbelievably painful. It's dirty, that they're stuck with the animals, they're putting their son in a feeding trough. It's confusing. They're not even sure why they're there or why they had to come to Bethlehem. They're on the road, they're not even at their home. It's humiliating. No woman wants to give birth in a feeding trough. No woman wants to give birth where they're not supposed to be. It is a humiliating moment for Mary and Joseph. And it's scary. It's scary, just like it's scary for every parent who's ever brought home their first child and wondered where the instruction manual was, right? It's scary. See, if I could describe that first Christmas and sum it up in one word, I would tell you this. It wasn't pretty, and it wasn't perfect, and it wasn't on point. I would say this, that the first Christmas was a mess. It was a mess. The first Christmas was not this perfect, wonderful, picturesque thing. It was a mess. And yet, here's the beautiful part of that first Christmas. But God was at work anyway. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That that Jesus is being born into this messy, painful, scary situation and yet God's at work anyway? And you know why this is such great news for everyone who's here? Because I don't know if I'm speaking to one person here or if I'm speaking to many of you, but I'm convinced given the year we just had, given all that we've just gone through, this statement might be true about some of you, that your life might be a mess. That everything that's happened this year, everything you've gone through, whatever's going on in your family, whatever's going on in your heart, whatever's going on in your faith, your life feels like a mess. Things have been turned upside down. But the brilliant good news of great joy for every person who's listening to my voice right now is this, but God is at work anyway. That nothing that's happened this year has been wasted. Nothing that's going on in your life is beyond God's hand, beyond God's work. He's at work in it, weaving all things together for your good and for his glory. And why do I know that that's the case? Uh, like why can I so confidently stand in front of a crowd? Why do I so confidently stand in front of people I don't even know behind a camera right now and be able to say that God's at work right in the midst of your mess? It's because of the next verse. This is the final verse we'll look at and I'm so convinced this gives us proof that God is at work anyway. Here's what it says in verse 23. It says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The Virgin Mary conceives and gives birth to a son, and his name is Jesus, but one of the ways he's described is as this Emmanuel. And in case you didn't know what Emmanuel means, in case you didn't know what Emmanuel means, it says, which means God with us. God with us. Why am I so convinced that God is at work in your life, even if it's a mess, even if everything's upside down, even if it's not pretty and perfect and on point right now? The reason I'm convinced of this is because of what I see in this text, what I wanna call tonight, the five-word promise of Christmas. The five-word promise of Christmas. It's the five words that I want you to remember this Christmas. It's the five words I want you to write down as we go into whatever happens next in our world. It's the five words I want you to remember when you feel insecure and have doubt about your faith. It's the five words I want you to remember when you stumble into your sin and temptation. It's the five words I want you to think about when you feel anxiety and fear about the future. It's the five words that I want everyone listening online and everyone in this room to remember this Christmas. It's the five word promise. Of Christmas. Five words. It's that God will never leave you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this great promise. I thank you for the promise of Christmas. I thank you for the promise of Jesus Emmanuel, who is God with us. God, help us have that kind of faith that you're with us in the midst of all of the mess. And when life isn't pretty, and when life isn't perfect, and when life isn't on point, when life isn't picturesque, God, help us to trust that you're working in every detail for our good and your glory. God, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for Jesus. I pray for someone in this room tonight. I pray for someone listening tonight that they would put their faith and trust in Jesus, that today would be the day that their entire eternity gets changed. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen.